And the subject that we've been looking at is freedom from bondage. God delivers his people. Uh, And let me preface by saying this. God doesn't always deliver how we think he ought to deliver. And you know, you know, there's a saying out there, I think it's very true, 85% of the things that we worry about never come to pass. I don't know who came up with that number, but if you scan through your life of all the things you worried about, you go, it might be 85%, right? <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes one of the biggest things that ruins a vacation, this is like, what does this have to do with, uh, just stay with me here. One of the biggest things that ruins a vacation is the preconceived ideas of your mind of how that vacation is going to turn out that you're, the way you're going to like it. You know what happens? It almost never does. And then you end up not enjoying the vacation when if we hadn't had the preconceived ideas and just kind of went, we might have actually enjoyed it, right? And uh, But we have these things built up in our mind, the way we think, think things ought to be, the way we think things ought to go. And when they don't, we, we walk away discouraged and, and disappointed um, when really we don't have to. We really don't have to. This happens as well in God's deliverance. Sometimes we have ideas of how God's going to do it, who he's going to use to do it, how he's going to get us out of the financial jam, how he's going to get us out of the relational issue, how he's going to deliver us from maybe just an absolute mess that we made of our own. And we have this idea how it's going to be done. And I'm telling you, you've lived long enough in Christ. You know, invariably, he does it absolutely opposite of what we think he ought to. Right? He uses people that we don't even think. And what happens also invariably is because we're looking so, we're looking at like at the situation through the, through an old keyhole of a door. You know, it's all we see of, you know, and we miss all of the things that God has done, the people that He brought into our life to deliver us. And it, and He does it in such normal, mundane ways we can miss Him. Just, you know, the, the neighbor does something and we miss it that it was God. You know, somebody over here intervenes and does something and you miss it because you, you expected God to do some wonderful, magnificent, grandiose thing that was going to fire come down from heaven and this was going to happen and that was going to go on and, and it didn't come that way. And, and you're out of your situation, but you're almost like, well, I kind of wanted a bigger show than that, right? Remember, remember uh, was it Gehazi who came up? Was it Gehazi who came up the... That little maid in Israel said, hey, uh, there's, a, there's a prophet in Israel. And he went up to be healed. And Elijah says, go dip seven times in the Jordan. He was he's like, what are you talking about? Not Gehazi. It was the, the king. Gehazi was a servant of Elijah. But it was that, that, that ruler that came up, and for that Syrian ruler. And he goes, we got better rivers than this. And he went away furious because he said, I thought that he was going to do some great marvelous thing, like some hocus pocus. You know, like the, the rod was going to come out and all this weird stuff was going to go on. He's going to be healed. And fortunately, the guy's servant says, well, who cares? Why don't you try it anyway? You know, what's the, what's the, what does it matter if you get healed this way or that way? And so he went down the Jordan River, dipped seven times, and he came up, and he was healed of his leprosy. And, and, and it was just, a, you know, it's another lesson to us of don't put God in a box, right? Don't put him in a box when we're looking for deliverance. I don't know what situations everybody's going through this morning. I don't know where you, I I could probably guarantee everybody in this room has something they'd like to be delivered from, whether it is a, whether it is a financial situation, whether it is a a relational situation and there's something that's just, uh, there's a relationship that's broken that you'd love to see mended, Um, whether it's, uh, you know, where you are. 
um, in life or where you think you'd like to be. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that we find ourselves in that we realize that we're limited to do anything about it. And maybe you've tried and failed. And here you are thinking, well, that's, that's over. This is where Moses was in Exodus 3. He had already tried to deliver his people. He tried when he killed that Egyptian, messed it all up. He had to run away. He messed it up so bad. And he, here he is in the backside of the desert for 40 years. He's got a wife. He's got a couple kids. He's watching sheep. I mean, it's, he's 80 years old. Life's over. I mean, this is his lot in life. That's when God showed up. And God said, now I'm going to deliver them. And I'm sure, you know, Moses, oh, this is great. Yeah. Who, who, how are you going to do it? Well, you. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Right. Uh, don't you love when God uses the most unsuspecting people? You, you ever notice when you, when you pray something about somebody has a need and you're praying for them and the Lord kind of impresses upon you to take care of it? Now, hold on a minute. I was thinking somebody else would do this, not me. I don't want to, you know, I want to stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. I don't want to be a part of it, right? And uh, you want to see the, 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 the angel come and wipe out the 185,000 Assyrians, but you don't want to be the one to be dragged down into Egypt to try to be the one used to do that. So this is, Israel is being led out of bondage. We are too. There's always something in our life that we need to be led out of that we're looking to God to do that nobody else can do. We get ourselves in situations that we can't fix, right? The world, just, just life alone. I mean, listen, we live in a sin-cursed world. We get into situations that we can't fix. Jobs go away, right? Uh, children go wayward. Um, things are pressed upon us of needs of other people that now they are on our plate and now we've got to deal with it and it's messed up all of our plans, right? And we have to deal with that. We, we are all somewhere, right? And so we see here in Moses in Exodus chapter 3, we've already looked at this. We're going to close this section up in chapter 3 today, Lord willing. But we saw the communication of God. God called Moses out. He did it by the burning bush. He got his attention with the circumstances. I've got to say this again. The circumstances aren't the answer. The circumstances are what God uses to get us to stop and hear his voice. Yeah. Some people look at circumstances as the answer, right? Oh, this happened, so that must mean this. Or, oh, I'm praying about buying this car. And wouldn't you know it today, I've seen five of these cars today. Five. I've seen seven. That's the number of perfection. Maybe I ought to buy the car. No, you dummy. It's just on your mind and you're seeing it all the time. Okay, now that you, right? Circumstances aren't the answer. We've got to be careful of that. But circumstances do should cause us to stop and to say, Speak, Lord, thy servant here. That's exactly what happened uh, with Samuel. Remember when he was with Eli? We're never going to get this done. My mind keeps going to other stuff. Samuel was with Eli and, and he, the Bible says he knew not the Lord yet. He didn't know the Lord yet. And God began to call Samuel as a little boy and he'd get up and he'd go to Eli. He said, you call? Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Second time, did you call? I didn't call you. And finally, Eli, who was so carnal and, and unspiritual, it finally dawned on him, oh, I think the Lord's calling him. And he said, the next time the voice comes, say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And he did. And God said, okay, this is what's going to happen to the family of Eli. And he told Samuel everything that was going to, what was going to happen. But it was the voice. 
You know, God spoke. God God spoke to him. He didn't. He didn't know it right offhand, but he spoke to him. And this is what happened with Moses. He he, he the 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 circumstance, the burning bush uh, that wasn't consumed. That was the that was the miracle of it all. It was still burning and didn't go away. It was the thing that got Moses' attention, brought him over. God communicated to him, said, "I've heard the cry of my people, the compassion of God, the compassion of God." He said, "I hear them. I'm going to deliver them." And finally here, the third thing we see is the commission of God. Moses had to be amazed at the message that God had brought. He had to be, uh, maybe, maybe he was a little uh, relieved at the compassion that God had for his people. But man, here comes the curveball. You ready? Yeah, the, the commission of God. <laughs> Moses, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. This was God's plan. It's always been God's plan to use a man or a woman who's yielded to him to accomplish his work. God could do any, listen, he could accomplish anything in this planet any way he wants to, right? But what has he chosen to do? He's chosen to do it through us. You want to talk about a miracle that God could accomplish anything through us. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, you know, we tend to really mess stuff up. And I tell you, you want to see the power and the majesty of God at work is when he works through the lives of human people. Look at verse 10 in our, in our text, Exodus chapter 3. Look at verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I will send thee. Aren't you glad that God isn't looking for some well-oiled machinery of some perfectly structured program to accomplish his work? I, I read books. I, I read books from other men who pastor in their ministries, and they have all of their little things that they suggest or, and, and how to accomplish something and how to do this in the church. And I'm telling you, there's one of them. This guy, you talk about micromanaged detail. And I'm like, you, I read the book. I'm like, forget it. I'll just never pastor. Who cares? I can't, I can't do this. It's like, so you have a get together and you have round tables. And at each round table, you'll have five place settings. And at each place setting, you'll have one cup over here and a fork, a knife and a spoon over here. Then you'll have a bowl for, I'm serious. It is this detailed. I'm like, that is not me. I mean, this is, but, but some people are like that. They are, I mean, the church runs about 5,000. Maybe that's why, but anyway, but not everybody is that well oiled, right? Hey, uh, Bobby Robertson, Gospel Light Baptist Church, brother uh, out in, in uh, Walkertown, North Carolina, I don't know, about a fourth grade education, just walked around like whatever, ran about 3,500 people in that church, had over 900 kids on the bus every Sunday. And they, you know, I don't, I don't know if he really had a song leader. I, I was, I was heard as like, well, cut, Jim, get up and lead music today, would you? I mean, it, I just heard a pastor out in California. He had him in before he passed away. And it said, drove him crazy because he kept saying, oh, we got to get to the airport. We got to do, ah, just, you need to take it easy, brother. You're too wound up. You're too wound up. And I knew of another man had him come to preach. Bobby uh, Robertson had to come preach. And it was time for the service start. He wasn't there. And he called, brother, where are you at? Oh, I just stopped here at Subway to get a bite real quick. I'll be there in a minute. You know, <laughs> ran a church of 3,500. A humble, humble man of God. Yeah. God isn't always looking for the well-oiled machine. Thank the Lord. Yeah. And, and listen, we can get in God's way when we try to accomplish that in, in a way we're not. Now listen, God uses those that are well-oiled too, and, and, and He uses them the way they are. But He doesn't have to have that, thank the Lord. 
Thank the Lord for that. And he's not looking for that because that wasn't Moses at all. He's watching sheep, right? He can't talk well. We're going to look at this in a minute. He's, he's got a speech impediment some, of some sort and uh, a slow tongue. He can't talk well. It's kind of hard when you're thought to go and present a need before the Pharaoh of Egypt when you just can't get words out, right? You stutter and you stammer. Then you're nervous and you're just like, forget it. I'm not even going to say anything. And Moses, I'm sure, is saying, me? Are you sure? You've heard the testimonies of many preachers out there that say, you know, God called me to preach. And it's like, I, I can't talk in front of people. I can't do this. Uh, I failed public speaking in high school because I could not get up in front of people. And here they are, a pastor, and they preach every Sunday and every Wednesday. I mean, God, God can do that. In John 20, 21, Jesus said unto them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent you, even so send I you. You know, in a, in, a, in a way, really, in all actuality, we've all been sent, haven't we? Moses is going to be sent to Pharaoh, but we've been sent to the world. You say, oh, I can't, I can't say anything to that person. Yeah, good. <laughs> I can't speak, right? Wonderful. Right? This is where you give God opportunity to come in and do what he wants to do. Have you ever walked away from a situation God has opened the door witnessing to somebody? The door just opens wide open. They're not a believer. They're not in Christ. A word gets said and the Holy Spirit's like, boom. I mean, you know, the door is open. I don't know how many occasions I've had that on a flight somewhere sitting there before, before iPhones and masks. And uh, uh, back when people had nothing to do but talk to the, next, the person next to you. And it was kind of enjoyable, right? Uh, once in a while you get the guy with the, everyone <laughs> One guy had the newspaper. I said, so what do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh, really? What's that? Yeah. And I'm like, my, uh, my awareness went off, which usually doesn't. I'm like, okay, this dude doesn't want to talk. <laughs> he had the paper up, like, leave me alone. It's like, okay, we'll just stop right there. But sometimes the door is wide open. And I'm telling you, you, get, you have an opportunity. You get to the end of it. How many have done this? You get to the end of it. You walk away from the conversation. You go, where did that come from? Where did those words come from? I don't talk like that, right? And uh, you know, you, you walk away and you realize that was, that was the Spirit of God. That was God working through us. That was God doing a great work. And, and it's exciting. It's, it's, uh, it's relieving, actually, right? Yeah. It takes the fear away. It should. And so, I like this. You've heard it before. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He's not looking... For many mighty, the Bible says, not many strong, not many power. He's not looking for that. He's looking for somebody who's yielded to him. Just says, okay, Lord, I'm here. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. We'll see this morning in our, in our message this morning at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Uh, um, we are all called to be saints. We all have a, a job that God has for us. And uh, it doesn't have to be a missionary. It doesn't have to be a pastor. Doesn't have to be some guy running across the country uh, doing some work. Listen, you are a saint of God, right where you live, right where you work, right where God has you in the in the in the place that He's left you. And we'll look at that at later, because then I'll have nothing to preach at eleven, and then it'll be boring. So, anyway, He calls, He qualifies the called. Yeah. Watch what Moses says in verse eleven. Are you there? Chapter 3, verse 11. Look what he says. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? <laughs> Who am I? 
He was self-focused, wasn't he? He was a little, little too intra, introspect, a little too focused on self. And uh, sometimes you ever, you ever been there? I know I, I'm there often, but at times God gives us something to do. And uh, you ever think that maybe God made a mistake? <laughs> God made a mistake calling you to do something. Maybe, maybe he's put on your heart to call a friend and here you, you go out to lunch with him and you get done with the lunch and you think, that was a mistake. Maybe you shouldn't have had me do this because it never even worked. It, I mean, I, we ate, we talked about everything under the sun. I've had this because I'm, I'm talking from experience. You, you, you have all this time, it's like, it's like nothing ever comes and you just go your merry way and you're like, wow, never once got to bring up the gospel. Maybe you should have called somebody else to do this because it didn't work. You know, right? We have these things that go through our mind and uh, that God has got the wrong person. Maybe past failures, maybe the things that uh, memories that kind of continue to bring up guilt. You know, I have a relative of mine. He says, I just stay busy so I don't think about my past, you know. Yeah, it's it's true. It happens. And we struggle with the thought that God could never use us to accomplish anything for him. Right. It depends on what you define accomplished to mean. If to you accomplish means a missionary, an evangelist on some uh, remote, far off, uh, you know, continent in a jungle somewhere. uh, If that's what you mean by accomplished, well, that's not that's not completely right. You accomplish things for God right where you work. You accomplish things with God right in your own neighborhood. You accomplish things for God right right where you're working, right? Yeah. That that's that God in 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 and God calls us right where we are and he uses us right where we are and he and he prepares us to do what he wants us to do. But we do, we struggle with those thoughts. I remember uh, being in a soul winning class at another church we attended years ago. And uh, one of the girls said, you know, I've got a lot of friends that knew me before I was saved. I'm really embarrassed to even go to them because they know what I was, you know. And, uh, and so uh, the point is, well, that's, that's the beauty of it. That's what I was, right? Hopefully now they can see what you are now and they will in time be able to see that. But some of those things, they hinder us. Some of our past hinders us from from doing what God wants us to do, what he would like to work us with. So notice Moses' next question about what he's going to say to the people when God sends them out. Look at three through, uh, look at verse 13. And the Egyptian, uh, da, 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 over here. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they say unto me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. So Moses, God's representative, he's going to show up in Egypt and he's going to say, I'm here to bring you out of Egypt. Now realize they've been here 430 years. These people know nothing else. It'd be like, uh, uh, what are some, brother, it'd be like some, uh, Chuck, some family member coming over from Greece saying, I'm coming to take you home. What's home? I mean, it sounds great, but there's a part of that you know nothing about. It'd be like somebody, somebody, somebody from, anybody from uh, Kazakhstan in here? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. I'm, it'd be like being from some remote country and some family member coming over and say, hey, I'm bringing you home. We're getting you out of here. 
And you're like, we got like five generations here. This is all I know. I mean, it sounds great. I mean, we love the connection of our past. I'm, you know, did you know there's three, there's three towns in Germany with the name Eccles? I thought that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. We're sending you home. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 don't. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's coming for you, buddy. And uh, <clears throat> but there are this, and uh, and that's kind of, but that connection's neat because because we are we're all pilgrims here. We're we're all you know uh, we're, we're none of us are that. Uh, some may be partly native, but uh, none of us really are native here. And there's there's something that sounds neat to that. But then again, we go. I don't know anybody in Germany. I can say five words in German. Very well to where people continue the conversation. They realize, yeah, you don't know anything else, right? <laughs> That's it, right? This Moses is coming to the children of Israel. I, I'm bringing you the promised land. It's like, great, but wait. This is all they know. So they say, well, who's doing this? Well, God's bringing you out. Well, who is that? I am. <laughs> now, now, realize, they, they obviously still have some knowledge of the God of Israel, right? It's still there. It's, it, they haven't totally left that. But uh, what a strange thing to come and say, I am has sent me. You know, does he have a name? I am. What is that? He's eternally now. God is forever right now. Yeah. That, I, that makes my head swim. I love it. That's so neat. He's always aware. He's always, I hate this term, but it needs to be used correctly, relevant. He's always right at the right time, in the right place. He's never showing up late. He's never showing up early. He's always now. And this is what he said, I am, present tense, always and forever. And this is where God's character was found. His character is found in that name, I Am. The name of God is, it's one of the most special names of God in the Old Testament. Think about this. Um, you know, a name describes uh, about who your character is. I can say Charles. I'm picking on you today. Man, it's the red tie. You just I see it immediately. I can say Charles, and you can place all sorts of meaning into that name of what, what that name means to you. I could say Manson. And something's going to come up to you by, with the name of Charles Manson. You know what that's connected to. Do you know who Charles Manson is? No. Okay. So, wow. Okay. Good. That's good. That's good. But if I say peace, a whole nother flood of, of, of thoughts come into your mind about Charles Peace compared to Charles Manson. God, God's name means something. Right? There's a character in that name. All of his attributes we think of, when we think of the name of God, when we think of the I am, we think of all who he is right now and forever. I, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. He is immutable. He is omnipotent. He, he, he is uh, holy. He is, um, he is uh, uh, I forgot all the rest of them. Omnipotent. He's I, uh, omnipresent. There we go. He's everywhere at once. Right? He's all of these attributes of who he is. He is love. Always right now. But notice this also, the name of God also speaks of his sufficiency. He is all sufficient. Yeah, he's all sufficient. What does that mean? Well, I, I need money. 
I am. <laughs> He's all sufficient, amen? I need wisdom, I am. He says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. He'll never say no to you when you ask for wisdom. That's what that word upbraid means. He won't turn away. He'll never say no. He is all sufficient. I need wisdom. I need food. I, re- I need raiment. God says, I am. Right? I need forgiveness. He says, I am. I need deliverance. He says, I am. He is always right now the answer to every need that we have. So within that name of I am, it's his character. It's his character. It's his sufficiency. And this is what Moses really needed to understand before he took off down into Egypt. Could you imagine if he didn't have this hammered down of who God was, the character of God before he went? I mean, it's, 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 kind of, it's no different, really. I mean, it's, yeah, it is different. But in some ways, for us to understand it, it would be like you getting a job, okay? You got a job with a new company, and they said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and have you uh, head on over uh, to Italy. And I want you to take care of an account over there. Go ahead and take care of all the expenses and we'll get you when you come back. Don't worry, we'll take care of you. Okay. Now, um, if it's Boeing, okay. I mean, that wouldn't happen, but I'm just bringing up as, um, if it's If it's me, you might want to be a little cautious. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, oh, I didn't know it'd be that much money to get over to Italy. Sorry, I don't have the money, right? What, what, what is, what is, could you imagine Moses going down into Egypt? He hasn't been there for 40 years. He left because he really messed up and there was a price on his head. He's going back at the behest of God and, he's gonna, and, and God's going to allow him to go without any assurance at all? No, don't you love that about God? People say, oh, you just have a faith, this blind faith. No, we do not. We don't have a blind faith. We have all of the assurance undergirding it of the character and the nature and the person of God. Right. We have his word preserved for us. We can get in and look at God sent Moses out equipped with who he was, uh, that he, who his character is, of his sufficiency. And he had to have that before he go, went. And I'm so glad that God knows that we are but dust. And he provides these things for us when he sends us out. It wasn't about Moses' ability to speak. It wasn't about his organization skills. It wasn't that he ever led millions before. It wasn't that he was able to fight hand-to-hand combat valiantly like a David or anybody else. It wasn't about Moses at all. It was actually all about God. This is what you need to know. This is what I need to know when we come to places of life that we need deliverance. It's all about him. It's all about him. Would you notice this also about Moses? Moses was actually being delivered out of his condition so he could be a deliverer as well. Do you really think he liked being on the backside of that desert? Really, it was a place of failure. It was. He was living in a land of failure. He, he, was gonna, he wanted to get his, his own people, Israel, out of Egypt. Messed it up big time. And here he is. He's not married to a Hebrew. He's married to Zipporah. I mean, her father's the priest of Midian, non-Israelite, as far as I can tell. Right? He has a couple sons. That's about it. Just watching sheep. Right? You know, it's, it's amazing how sometimes God calls people to use them to deliver somebody else. Who their their deli- you know them delivering somebody else brings about their own deliverance. You know, sometimes there are things that people face. There, maybe there, there are vices in your life 
that God takes away so that He can use you to deliver somebody else in the same thing. Right. So this is where Moses was. So here's God's promise, and we've got to be done. God had a plan for Moses. Moses' plea was like, are you sure? I think you got the wrong guy. Okay. God gives him a promise. Look at verse 12. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. What mountain was Moses currently on? Anybody? Yeah, amen. He was on Mount Sinai. God says, I will bring you back here again. It's interesting to go through the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, and see all the places that God brings people back to. Yeah. Sometimes people get away from where they're out of, just out of disobedience, and God brings them back. Sometimes God brings them back to places to deal with past issues before He lets them go on. And then sometimes He brings them back for a place to worship and to show Himself and to start something new. Yeah. Jacob had to meet Esau again. Right? Yeah. Abraham, at one point, Abraham had to go back to Bethel. He had gotten out of the will of God and he had to go back to Bethel where he met with God the last time. Here Moses is going to come back here to Sinai. And God's going to give the law here on Sinai. He's going to spend 40 days and 40 nights up at the top of the mountain with them. And, uh, but this was the promise of God. You ever have a thing that you go through? You ever have a, lo- a, a place in life, we'll call it this way, the place where you needed to be delivered from? A place of deliverance. You, you were looking to God to remedy a problem. You ever been there and God gave you a promise? Seemed to be a specific. It seemed to be just specific to you. He gave you a promise from the Word of God for a trial or impossibility in life. You ever been there? Maybe you think about it now. What about just the peace that He gives in prayer when He says it's okay? Yeah. I don't know how many times I've had to pray over something a monumental uh, thing one time and. And just, uh, you know, I said, God, this is a mountain. And you said, you know, uh, you know, your word says, uh, speak unto this mountain. And if, if, you, if you'll speak unto, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, and spe- say unto this mountain, be thou removed, cast out the sea. It, it will, right? Mountains are so many times indicative of the pictures of problems in our life. Jesus was saying, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, right? Just that amount of faith. You, you could do this. And boy, I remember I'm praying about it. I said, God, you've got to do something about this. Either your word is true or you're a liar, and you're not a liar. This is what you said. Boy, and about the end of prayer time, I just a peace came over. I kind of chuckled. I, I know, it just makes me laugh. It's so fun. And I got up and walked away. And you know, a few days later, God just took care of it. Yeah, in, a, in, a, in a miraculous way. You know, sometimes he answers that way, doesn't he? Sometimes he comes in. Sometimes he gives you a, a word when you're reading in the morning or in the afternoon. Whenever you're reading your Bible and a word comes off the page and it's the answer. And you go, oh. And you hold on to that and you just can't wait to see what God's going to do with that. He's, you know, he's saying, I'm, don't worry, I'm aware. I am the I am. I know what you're going through. Here's a, here's a little bit that, that you're gonna, that's going to help you. Because there may be a little bit of time before I do it because I'm putting other things together. right? So just hold on and wait on me. 
I, I've got it all under control. Yeah. One of the greatest things to encourage us while we wait is the presence of God. His presence. Remember at one time, uh, Moses, uh, remember when Moses said, God, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. He's going to say it later on when they're coming through the wilderness. He says, if, 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 you don't, if, you don't want to, if you're not going to go with me, I don't want to go. Why? He, 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 he refused to go anywhere without the presence of God. Isn't it amazing how many things we venture off to without the presence of God? <laughs> right? That was one of the beautiful things about Moses. He refused to be with outside, outside of that. Hebrews 13.5, what did God say? He said, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. He'll be there in the hospital. He'll be in the counseling room. He'll be there when you want to murder your teenager. He'll be there, right? And then he'll remind you when you have grandkids. See, aren't you glad you didn't do that? Right, so. When everybody else leaves, he doesn't leave. Isn't that great? So God said he's going to, he promised Moses also this, that he was going to be the one to convince the Pharaoh to let the children go. Sometimes we feel like that's our job to convince, and, and we do persuade. Paul said, I persuade men. But ultimately, the, the, ultimate, the, 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 the high persuader, the, the, the persuader above us is the Holy Spirit of God. It's the work of God. And we just do what we're supposed to do in the way that God made us to do it. And God does the rest. Look at verses 18 through 22. And the king of Egypt called for, uh, verse chapter 3. I keep going, looking on my, see I'm left-handed and my head always goes left. I'm sorry. Verse, uh, verse 18 of chapter 3. And they shall hearken to thy voice and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the, the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent, uh, Hath, uh, Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. Isn't that funny? God says, I'm pretty sure he's not going to do it. God knows. Amen. No, not by a mighty hand. He's not going to do it. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he'll let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And ye shall put them on your sons and your daughters and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. You know, I think uh, it's pretty evident a lot of the purpose of the, of the plagues wasn't necessarily just for Pharaoh. There for Israel. Israel needed some confirmation, and they failed just like we do. Oh, our wilderness trek, right to to the will of God that God has for us. The promised land isn't a picture of heaven. The promised land, Canaan, is a picture of God's will, uh, God's God's will for for a life. And uh, I know there's all sorts of neat jer- songs about crossing over Jordan and all this stuff, but but really, Canaan is 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 uh, is. The, the will of God. That's what Canaan is. In, in our wilderness wanderings, trying to get to the will of God sometimes, or get it, say in the will of God, sometimes we need the confirmation of God. Yeah. Sometimes when you're uh, wandering around and 
maybe out of the will of God, you need to look back and see the power of God that He did in your life before, where, where He told you, right? Do you know how long, when, when God first told Abraham uh, to go, it was years before He spoke again. It was years before we see God interacting with Moses again. Why? Because He hadn't accomplished what He first told Him to do. I mean, you know, I, I used to hear this, and even probably go hear people say this in Bible college, is, well, I don't know if God still wants me here. Uh, well, if he really did tell you to go, then he may not speak until you're done. <laughs> What's there to say until you're done, right? And sometimes, but one of the, the one of the uh, uh, one of the confirmations that we get when we are in a wilderness, when we are in a place that maybe we we don't want to be, or, or God didn't really uh, want us to be in, is we can look back at some of these confirmations and say, no, let's just keep going forward here. Let's just keep moving forward. God has confirmed it over and over and over again. Those ten plagues, I think God's in this. <laughs> right? Yeah. Absolutely. The Red Sea, yeah, I think God's in this. Yeah. All the battles we've already won, God's probably in that. The Jordan, yeah, by the time they get up to the Jordan, uh, yeah, I think God's in this. And do you ever marvel at what problems they had of doubt? Isn't it crazy? You look at the Egyptians or the, the Israelites going through the waters like, Dude, you actually saw an ocean part and you walked through on it, right? I'd like, I would be in. I'd be like, yeah, let's go, right? Well, Caleb and Joshua were that way, but the other 99.9% weren't. And sometimes we marvel at that. But hold on a minute. We've got 2,000 years. No, let me back up. We've got 6,000 years of the working of God. And we get into a little spot and we go, well, I don't know. Well, maybe not. Well, maybe God doesn't care. I think maybe we're worse than the, than the Israelites in the wilderness. We have way more evidence than they do, right? On top of it, we have the indwelling Spirit of God <laughs> that they didn't have like we do. Right? They say, oh, well, they had the pillar of fire by night and the cloud, cloud by day and the fire by night and the, and the glory of God. Uh, hello, that's living in us, <laughs> right? Yeah. And we still struggle. You know what we need? We need the confirmation of God. And He'll do it. He confirms. He lets us know what He wants us to do. Are you looking for deliverance today? Yeah. Draw near to God. Remember, you're coming to Him on holy ground. As it said in Ecclesiastes, He said, God is in heaven and you are on earth. Right? We're coming to a holy God. And uh, maybe, maybe He seems distant. Maybe it's like, it's like Job when he said, you know, I looked ahead of me and in front of me wasn't there. I looked behind me. He wasn't there to my right, to my left. I can't find it. He said, oh, that I might know him, that I might find him. Right? He was in a bad spot and it seemed like God was a, a many, many, many miles away. Know this. Draw near unto him. He understands. He knows where you're at. He has a plan. He has a plan. Trust him. And remember this. <clears throat> he is the God of the second and third and fourth and fifth and four hundredth chance. Yeah. Moses the murderer, God called to go back and bring his people out. Paul the murderer, <laughs> he said he wreaked havoc on the churches of God. Yeah, finally met God and was preaching Jesus Christ. One of the greatest works uh, one of the greatest uh, uh, just missionaries and workers I think the church has known. 
I mean, listen, God is a God of a second chance. Absolutely. Look when Naomi, Naomi and uh, Ruth went back to Israel. She went back bitter. She said, they should. that's another one. Uh, sometimes God doesn't bring you back. Abimelech never, or, uh, uh, yeah, Abimelech, her husband. Anyway, he never made it back. God didn't tell him to leave, right? They went over to Moab, but he brought her back. You talk about the grace of God. Here we have this, this uh, Gentile Moabite woman is now married to Boaz. It is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. God is a God of second chances. Don't, don't, don't doubt that. He's going to deliver you. He will. may not be how you think it ought to be, but he's going to. Just trust him. All right. Father, thank you today. Thank you for the reminder. Would you bless your word? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.